What's up, everyone? This is BJJ and Brews. I'm your host, Noah John, joined by my illustrious co-host, Christopher Vu. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday, also. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Are we allowed to do this? That. Like, is that a... <laughs> is it, Sorry. Well, that, if people listen in the future, they'll be like, now, what is year true. is this? This... Um, just a few things as always, we're going to start and get in the habit of this. If you want to reach out to us, uh, you can find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at BJJ and Brews. You can also shoot us an email at BJJ and Brews at gmail.com and always uh, like subscribe, all that stuff. It actually does help us in the long run and share. That's the big one. Thank you. Like subscribe and share. (laughs) So, uh, we'll try and keep that to a minimum. Uh, this is just, uh, Chris and I. Uh, chilling before class so there's no uh, brew to accompany this although we should do a drunken rolls edition yeah that's Um, that's coming that's coming (laughs) but with that out of the way chris how are you i'm doing well man i am i think now that january is over everything is like it was a really weird month like between december and january january was there was some extension of Holiday-ish? It's like everyone's, ty- I don't know, it's like tying up the loose ends of 2019 or yeah. something. It was weird. I, I, I feel you on that. Right? I, like, like, I, I feel like the yeah. things are just starting to, what, FTR in my life, normal the gym and everything, or, just yeah. sort of get back into the normal swing of things. And the next thing we know, it's going to be June. And we'll be like, yeah, oh my God, it's I summer. I, I, you know, it, I can't believe it's February. So, the, um, but, so uh, you went on a trip recently. Yeah, I went on a ski trip to New Hampshire. Uh, flew into Boston, went skiing at Loon Mountain on Friday, which was beautiful. As uh, as my father used to say, it would be a, a bluebird day, not a cloud in the sky. And then the following day, oh, we went to Wachusett's Mountain, which is in Massachusetts. It's uh, just outside Boston, about 45 minutes. Wachusett's? Wachusett, I think, or Wachusett. Yeah, some it, sort of like a combination of like Massachusetts, Orlando and like Tampa. So it was like I don't know. I spent, the whole, I spent the whole day trying to listen to people, how they would say it, and then just copy what they were saying. So is it like a Worcester, like Worcestershire? <laughs> and then Worcester. to be Worcester somehow? <laughs> is it like, is it Wachusett? I, I, I don't know, but it was, it was, uh, it was a fun time. It was, it was nice to be able to, uh, I've just gotten into skiing thanks to some of the people at the gym including Paul. Did you, did you, um, ski before? I cross country skied a kid and I went downhill skiing once as a child. But the one thing that saved my butt when it came to skiing, cause I've only, I skied once before this winter and that was my first time back in a long, long time mm-hmm. since I downhill skied as a little kid. But, uh, is I skated as a kid. So I had some sort of muscle memory about movements from skating that I think helped translate over to downhill skiing and being able to carve back and forth. When you say skating, not to make myself sound... Ice skating. Ice skating. Okay, Ice skating. All right. Sorry. Not inline skate. I never inline skated. I think I... Or skateboard, right? Or skateboard. Or, or is that shredding? Is that the is Well, the we, we just term? said what we were doing was shredding, which was the skiing, but... It was a, it was a good time, very good weather, and uh, ooh, I'm, I'm we, and now I, I realize why the ticket was so cheap is because we flew back during the Super Bowl, so that's why. Oh, <laughs> so he missed the second half of the Super Bowl, which wasn't a big I mean, deal. Like, who gives a but fuck? that's why, that's what. Well, if it was ADCC, <laughs> it's all right because we'll watch that the next day, anyways. Right? Yeah. So, speaking of what you've always talked about, Lloyd Irvin being a tremendous. Tri- terrific marketer yeah so i uh 
earlier today, I was looking at my phone and Keenan Cornelius had posted the second day of a five-day sweepstakes text flow FOL to a six-digit thing. Yeah. And? So I did it. Okay, okay. <laughs> because it puts you at a sweepstake to get either a gi, a hyperfly gi, or a lifetime membership to Keenan Online. Really? Yes. Constantly Crayon updated Keenan Online. Oh, Keenan Online. Okay, <laughs> Keenan I thought you were going to like move out there for like a No, 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 no. Keenan Online. <laughs> yeah, like, to Keenan Online. Oh my God, if it was a lifetime membership, <laughs> like, I would still do it. To, <laughs> I would still do it. To AJJ? Like. <laughs> so, and when, when you do it, you get a free ebook that he wrote oh okay. co-authored with basically his head of marketing which is an aussie black belt so oh. i was starting to see how keaton put his business together which i think was really interesting uh so i got the book obviously it's a way to get leads i don't know what they're going to try and sell me honestly except maybe just keaton online you just get a lot of spam emails that's what i would imagine yeah, yeah. so they asked for my first name once i text do it they're like great to finish this process i need your first name yes and so i now put it you'll in get- then they're I gonna got, be emailing you directly. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. So this is they their way you. of getting leads. But I'm wondering, it was intriguing that they uh, he opted to do this strategy because I've seen this in other in other fields, in other I mean, it, in other sectors. Kind of works though, right? Or, but or, I don't i I don't know what the end goal is. I, if 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 it's to sell Keenan online and increase the subscriber base, then I get it, and maybe that's it, and maybe I'm trying to over, I'm overthinking it but I thought there'd be more behind it. We'll see. We'll see in the emails that I get. But what I did end up getting was this ebook, and I paged through about 70 pages. Whoa, and it's how actually, big is this? 70 pages. It's but, 70 pages. Yeah, of... but it's kind of like, in, it's borderline infographic. Okay. So it's more like very, de- like what would be considered terrible PowerPoint slides. Like, so too much text, PowerPoint slides, so but it's not an actual book. Have you ever actually scrolled through the old school, like, Lloyd Irvin ads online? No. Where it's like, it's a, it's sort of like, well, you've probably seen Muscle Magazines, right? Like, mm-hmm. Muscle Tech would do those articles. Oh, sponsored content. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and it would be like this three-page thing about how Dexter Jackson used Muscle Tech products to achieve his Olympia goal, right? Like... And they would actually, it would be writ- pretty well written for a fucking ad, but it would just be a bunch of, you know. Well, this was well written. I didn't find it particularly useful. It was more like written theory and really the pitch about why lapel grips and lapel guard is superior. So it really was, it was an interesting blend of... That's really catering to a niche market. I know, but right? it's, it's a very interesting blend of information. What's this te- All right, let me, let me, what do we with, got? I, I mean, I actually have it on my phone. Oh, yeah, you can just email to me. I, right. can, I have it on my I phone. I mean, but would I be, you wouldn't be depriving enter- Keenan of an additional lead which is never, who's never going to move to California? Or <laughs> <laughs> Point being, it was interesting to see something I've, I've seen in, in my non-jujitsu life when it comes to branding, when it comes to building a business, when it comes to getting leads and the strategies business go and the lengths they go. And definitely the free ebook is something that I see very commonly, you know, sign up now, you know, enter your information for a free ebook at no cost to you. That's really interesting because like most of these, I mean, I've, I've fallen prey to those as well. Um, most of the time, the free ebooks you get are, it's just, it's very redundant content. It's nothing being an experienced person, like I don't know already. Um, and it's a very good primer, but this actually sounds like it, it was very convincing. Well, 
he can it was convincing enough that i wanted to get it and right. then when i opened it i was like this is borderline useful to me but it feels it feels like jujitsu with a motive it feels so that was a thing like it was very clearly motivated by i'm going to per- try and persuade you to buy into using lapel guard as a superior solution i'm not going to tell you to buy my product i'm just going to tell you well that's lapel guard is good sales, and right? then the next question is well, how do i learn more and guess who's right there with the blinking well, lights? Isn't that sales one on one? Is you 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 let them know what the problem is? You you sell benefits, not features, yeah. right? Like that's that's sales. And you don't directly sell the product; you sell the idea behind the company. Right. And then the person is the one that. What makes is money. what is Sony's thing? Is like we're we're going to try to create and sell you things that you didn't know but can't live without or something like that. I, I forgot what their original motto was. So it was a very interesting yeah. it was an interesting five minutes. I can tell you that. Nice. So we'll find out what happened there. But besides that, I wanted to bring up the topic of this uh, BJJ Globetrotter video that I shared with you. Yeah. About which one? Like, I saw. I, well, no, no. Okay, the this one is the you, one. This yeah. is the one that Charles led. So Charles, okay. I forget which camp it was. It was a recent camp, but they had some seminars, and not seminars as in on the mat, but a roundtable discussion where you just everyone was just kind of sitting in chairs in a room, which probably isn't done enough. Probably not. You honestly. know, like yeah, like, and I think that's the crux of his thing was exactly right. Like, and his point was talking about. In essence, he was arguing that, in general, the BJA community probably rolls too hard, too frequently. There's a time and a place to roll hard. His argument was once a week, at most. Unless you're ramping up for a competition, then that's different. But for just day-to-day training, once a week is probably sufficient. And then outside of that, you should be playing. That's going to be my word. He's just going to be, you should be playing. You should have an objective uh, whether or not your opponent knows what that objective is is up to you, and you need to communicate with your partner that you don't want to go pohada. And what was interesting is he was very the examples he gave were I think relatable to everyone in that room. They were certainly relatable to me, and I think everybody's. Were, and yeah. I think they're relatable to. I'm going to say 99% of the people who do jujitsu where whether it's the escalation situation where you're like, yeah, "Yeah, let's go easy. And then one guy goes a little harder then you go a little harder and it all comes down to ego in his point. So I'm not going to go into the whole thing. I, if, if, if you guys want to see it, I I totally recommend it. We'll put a link on the, uh, on the podcast. We'll put a link in, in the post on Facebook and, and, and Instagram to go check that out. So the audio does get terrible with the second half. So it's not, but I mean, well, it's just it's, the mic gets hit a lot. The mic, yeah. yeah. But most of the key points are, are touched on at the very beginning. What were your thoughts on that? I think it's. I, I think he sort of so. Not to to use a weird analogy, but like all of the John Danner stuff is nothing that we haven't seen before, but it's taught in a way that makes sense, right? And. It's stuff that we do already, don't even realize we're doing it. Like, I guess the best example I can use for that is like, for like he he talks about like inverting the knee when you shrimp for like hip escape or for um, uh, elbow escapes, right? You know, we're taught to shrimp a certain way, but in practicality, people almost always end up modifying it to kind of invert the knee to 
make it fit properly in, in an elbow escape. And it's something that people end up doing. Nobody talks about, but you just, you're taught it that way, but everybody ends up modifying it anyway without being taught to. Um, and I feel as though like his conversation is that like, it's one of those things that we all experience. We all kind of talk about with ourselves in our heads and because BJJ is so new, we haven't quite gotten to the point of how we handle certain situations that he, he addresses, but it's, um, but it's nothing that is unique to any gym or any practitioner in particular, you know? Um, but it's, uh, the takeaway for me, which I think you can apply not just to jujitsu, but to life is that like, <laughs> it does, it never hurts to over communicate or, or not, not over, but it never hurts to communicate properly Yeah, and approach things with a proper attitude and objective, right? Like that's, that's. If you if you can get those three things in line, every everybody's training experience will be will be better. I think it's what's interesting is I was thinking of situations in in, in my training, and they're like certain people where I'm like, I don't want that guy to beat me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like the, the ego really does come into into play because. I don't know. It's just kind of like what he said, right? He, he, I like his analogy of the analogy that, I mean, all the analogies resonated with me, but I like how he said, you know, you go into your gym and there's that group of people that you expect to beat. There's this group of people that you expect to go even with. And there's those people that you expect to have them to beat you. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you, you identify that's where you are in the pecking order. And it's really, really hard and I think it's also because when you lose in jujitsu, and I know we can define a lot about what losing is, you know, like what exactly does that mean? But I think the thing about jujitsu is because it's a combat art, because it involves grappling, because it involves some person putting their weight on you and all that, losing feels worse <laughs> and bruises your ego more than, oh, I lost a game of bowling. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's like it's it's. There's almost kind of a, and maybe it's like a primal thing. It's and and especially like think about you know any species where males are like fighting each other, you know, to to figure out who's the alpha male of the group. It's like it goes counter to that, you know, because if you lose, it's not like oh I lost on the scoreboard, I got beat up. Did anyone see me? You know, do they really know I'm better than that? You know, like, oh, I was practicing some weird new guard. I was practicing lapel guard because I got this damn <laughs> this thing from Keenan. I'm practicing it. And this guy passed my guard and smashed me the whole time. And everyone's like, does everyone think I'm not as good or that guy's better than me? So These are you, the kind of things that I think. Do you think, though, that just not to cut you off, but like that's. That's all ego. It is, it, right? That's like totally that's seeking ego. like external validation for whatever instead of because, you know, ultimately whether what it was and if you got beat because you were working something i mean like and you know that so you should just be okay with it i think i think we all carry some level of insecurity oh absolutely and i think i think i i remember i would be homeless otherwise right like you would just not care if you if you didn't have some level of insecurity about everything right 
I don't know about if it, I don't know if insecurity is the difference between being apathetic, poor person, and successful. I don't I don't, I don't see the connection there. I, I mean, just in terms of like because I, it, I, we we just have a certain need to fulfill certain things. I mean, like I don't know if that comes from insecurity though. What do you mean? Like if you're insecure about, like I just don't want to be hungry. That's, that's not gonna an force insecurity. Me to work, that's a necessity. Right? Like I need to eat if I want to live. <laughs> I, I get. I mean, yeah, that's true. The, the, my the the analogy I think of with insecurity, which I think is a great one, is the. And this might not always be true, but I think the analogy makes sense. Is like the person who has like the Honda that has like souped it up, and they're like, eh, they're going like super fast on the highway. And then the person who buys the Lambo and probably went a hundred the first week, and then they drive the speed limit because they know they can go super fast, but they don't care to. I think the more confident one is in their discipline, in their sport, in the case of jujitsu, the more comfortable they are with losing because they actually know. So I think because jujitsu has more white belts and blue, it has more white belts and blue belts and more blue belts and purple belts and more purple belts and browns and browns and black. You're dealing with more people with insecurities about their jujitsu game than people that have securities with their jujitsu mm. game. And I think that also feeds into this. And that's not unique to jujitsu. I think what's unique to jujitsu is I think insecurities are amplified and ego because stuff is amplified visceral, because of the visceral nature yeah, of being like, dominated. I got, I got killed, essentially. Right? Yeah, like, I, mean, I would have died in the wild. Exactly. I mean, that's the Joe that's, Rogan thing. <laughs> that's what... Um, actually, my, my VP asked me, You know, he'd written that little bit about my, me getting promoted... Um, in our weekly newsletter, or uh, yeah, shout out to your VP, yeah, Frankie. Hey, what's up? Um, you know, he asked me. He's like, you know, he's like, my challenge to you is, he's like, you had mentioned in um, the the impromptu podcast afterwards. He's like, you know, that you you kind of valued getting your black belt more than college. He's like, my my task to you is write a little blurb to our company as to why you feel that way. And that was exactly what I said. I was like, you know, when you, if I, if I slacked off on a test, like the consequences aren't nearly as dire as like theoretically being maimed, you know, your arm broken or killed, you know, via choke or something. So like the desire to improve is a lot more than just like, oh, I did poorly on that test. I'll just come back and get it, you know, and bring my average up on the next test or something, right? So, like, that, that's why it did mean more for me. Um, and that probably applies to why people let their egos get control of them when they roll and, and whatnot, right? The So, okay, so just moving it forward a little bit in terms of, uh, what was that guy's, the, the seminar that he did? Charles Harriet. Charles Harriet. I'm getting him mixed up with Payne's Chris Payne. Chris Payne's is, is the a other black guy. belt okay. under Pritt. under Preet. Yeah. Oh, Preet, Preet, Preet. Um, but Charles is actually he's American and he's actually from Florida. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he just hasn't. I, I I think he even has a place in Gainesville. Like that's how close he is to us. Oh wow! Okay. But he he's always traveling. So, in in practice, what? So is that? I think I feel as though his talk, just you know, and and just just uh, to keep with the the primal visceral theme of of the conversation is, do you think his talk is what separates humans from Australopithecine afarensis? 
or australopithecine robustus, right? Like there's just that one step behind an evolution behind us, right? Like we're beyond that little ape man, like basal ganglia, just like want to smash you with a rock. (laughs) What separates us and makes us human is the ability to recognize that these, our egos can get in the way that can be counterproductive for my own development along with my partner's development. And that's why we need to have that conversation. Right. To me, the, the takeaway that, that was most impactful and to me is the most persuasive argument of everything is it prevents injury because one of the side effects, one of the negative side effects of ego rolling is you're increasing the likelihood of injury. And his thing was, and he got this from, he, uh, he attributed this to, to Christian, the founder of BJJ Globetrotters. And BJJ belt checker. Yes. Which is a non, it's, he doesn't want to associate with Globetrotters. It's its own entity. Okay. That's oh, how, yeah, even though it's the same I mean, creator. It's crowdsourced info. I mean, Correct. Like, it's got the same, the same father, so to speak. I just got another verification, by the way. Way to I'm go. I'm over halfway there, bud. There we go. So, and he got it from Christian. Charles did, which was to avoid injury, stretch every time before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And never yeah. go over 70%. I, I think, think it was, was 70. I think it was 80. Okay, never go over 80. But either way, I mean like. Either way. Which and when I thought about it, I was like, that seems pretty reasonable because I don't think I go over 80 much at all. I think that's because you're a mindful trainer. Yeah, it's terrible. It, and this is a... I don't want to sound... This so is an interlude on energy drinks, by the is way. This, a, this is like a woman's drink, right? What's wrong with a woman's drink? I mean, like... <laughs> Are you, hey, as you like to say, are you doing that thing? I, I mean, I guess I am, but like, I mean, it's a slimmer can. You know, it's a very like non, like non-masculine looking can. You know, it's got the Dude, a Red Bull is the exact same can in terms of shape. The Red Bull, in my opinion, looks less. Looks less manly or less womanly? Oh, oh Jesus. Am I, I like, am I allowed to gender? Wait, so you're, you're saying Red Bull looks manly, looks more or less manly than I this? I don't know, man. This is a. I don't really, I don't think this doesn't. I don't drink this. I'll tell you I, one I thing: the marketing for Bang is definitely catered to men. That's for no. Damn it's sure. catered towards fourteen-year-old boys. But <laughs> 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 um, I just feel I don't know. I don't. Maybe some of it's placebo effect. I don't feel like I'm ready to go. Well, you're the one. You're the one that wakes up and has a, a caffeine pill every day. This is true. So is I don't true. think that's gonna. No, it's not. You need to just graduate to pre-workout. Oh, I don't like that beta. Alan. And like triple, like triple scoop that shit. No, I, I mean like that. that I don't heart like that racing. tingly. Get that heart racing. Yeah, it's the tingles. That's like what I heard. That. You get the shakes. <laughs> no, no, like literally, like needles in your skin, like the, either niacin flush or beta alanine. I, I don't like that. Like okay. I just need to stay awake is what I'm really looking for. But um it's called 8 hours of sleep, buddy. I I get 8 hours of sleep. Okay, there you go. I just I yeah, I mean I'm just I got a lot going on. Um but so in yeah, preventing injuries is is rule number 1. Like do no harm. Yeah. Um receive no harm and and apply no harm in training. Do you I that, I mean like 
and that's one of the things maybe it's it's personal to me i mean like that's kind of how i always train well he also brought up another great point which is if you go 100 percent, suddenly adrenaline starts kicking in yes. which was a very interesting point i didn't think of that that adrenaline starts kicking in and then suddenly your your propensity for creativity and exploration drops and you just start doing what you're really good at. Your body, rather, starts doing what it's good at, what it's familiar at. And I can attest to that in the one tournament that's, I did that's very, where I suddenly felt like I did very few things in my matches, way less than I do in training, because I just reverted to what I felt the mo- my body felt the most comfortable, my muscle memory felt the most comfortable doing. So interestingly, shouldn't we, A, do you think, given the appropriate amount of reps and training you can add to that repertoire. Absolutely. And, but you're not problem solving in a competitive yeah, match. True, true, in true. A competitive mat is pure action reaction. But are you, but isn't it better to, so let's say our, our, our skill sets are limited to 10 moves of, of that, our attributes Ooh. is limited to, you know, it's like, like one of those collectible card games. Yeah, Assemble yeah, your or, deck. I mean, I... I've <laughs> I been, want the Barambolo. <laughs> I I've want the assembling, knee slice. Or I, I was uh, investigating the game Path of Exile, so... Oh, okay. It's, I'm familiar with that game. Are you really? Yeah, I'm familiar with that game. I just... My buddy plays Diablo 3, and he's like, Chris, this is free to play. It's free to play, and, if you, it, and the game is all about people coming up with different specs. It's like yeah, yeah. If you look then, at that, if so, you look at that talent tree, it's absolutely it's insane. Insane. I was, I, so people just create new, and the thing is, leveling is rather quick, so you can get to max level rather quickly. Is it really? So it's just a question of people do all these different specs. So it's just basically the ultimate. It's like game the, of, it's the ultimate theory crafting game. Okay, that sounds kind of fun, actually. Is it so? It's better than Diablo. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend, gameplay wise, it looks almost identical. My. My close friend who's a big gamer prefers it to Diablo 3 significantly. We both agree Diablo 2 was better at its time. Okay. Path of but Exile I mean, like, just got a bunch of new players recently because of a new content patch, but it was dwindling. What, Diablo 2? No, Path or of Exile. Path, Path of Exile. I mean, it looks... I mean, like, the amount of creativity involved, right? Like, and that was one of those fun things about that. So if, let's say, we're all allowed to operate our skill tree and, and I, I want to be my little barbarian right with the immortal king set um, oh boy the uh um if anyone gets that reference man <laughs> i think there are a lot more gamer nerds that do jiu-jitsu it's than true you realize um but so isn't it good just to keep on sharpening what you're good at or is it that much better so like time spent 80 20 rule good is subjective and relative to the person and their goals if your goal is to be a world champion, then you probably need to refine your strengths. Sure. If you're someone like Tommy, we talked to. Tommy said that if he, like, what did he say? Like, if I hit the move five times, I want to do something else? That's, yeah, something yeah. Something along I get those bored lines. Yeah, I, yeah. You know? And I, I get that. It's hard for me to, for me, I can tell you at my stage, I'm a blue belt. I've been a blue belt for a year, a little more than a year. It's a for me it's still just a dearth of new techniques and discovering kind of what I like, what I don't like, what works with my body type, that sort of thing. And I'm noticing that success with higher skilled opponents comes down to two factors 
either me knowing something that they don't know. So I know I go with someone that doesn't know leg locks. Yeah, I so can like leg that's lock the them. easiest. That's yeah, the like, easiest example, yeah, like Everybody right? always talks about Everyone, it. Everyone, yeah. you know. Not you, but just like in general. Exactly. Like that because it's a new part of the game. Or I'm my timing with a certain move is so good that I can hit it. And I think that's where I need to go once I've seen, quote, most of the techniques, and that's debatable if that's even possible, but I would, I would argue that by, I want to say that by Purple Belt, I've seen 80% of jiu-jitsu. Oh, I mean, like, Paul, Paul would argue the only thing that separates a Purple Belt, a high-level Purple Belt to a Black Belt is just a little bit of time. So if, if we're operating by that standard, then I, I want to say that it's a matter of refining timing, and I'm starting to notice that with good guys, the stuff I hit is the stuff... When I do it, it's 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 fast. It's with um, what's the word? I do it with with a real strong purpose and with confidence, and I'm not tentative with it. Like it's boom, I hit. And there there like there are a couple things that I feel like I'm. There's one thing in particular that I feel like I'm pretty good at. And the difference between that and something else is not me being able to do the technique in a demo situation or in a practice situation. They probably look the same, honestly. It's the fact that when I do it, I do it decisively when I roll. And it and it comes to me immediately. Like I see the opening and boom, I hit it. Where let's say if I'm in Delahiva, I know sweeps in Delahiva, but I'm not decisive. I don't see it and decisively go for it. Right. Let me compliment someone else, like like Nikki. I call that Delhi have a back take. The Delhi have a back take, man. He will. Yeah. He 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 is decisive with that. He's got those long ass Keenan Cornelius legs, and if you're standing up in his Delhi he will decisively go into it. Yeah. And that's when you when 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 I when we talk about people being good at something, it's that they're decisive and they don't hesitate. They don't hesitate when they see the opportunity and they're decisive. They commit to the move. I was going to say like, are you using decisively? I was going to use the word commitment actually. And how much of us, how much, how, how much do we find ourselves? And I'm, I'm probably the, the most guilty of this actually is not committing to any moves. Like I'm always, you had talked about like ugly jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that's where committing to the move is so important. It's super important because the moment you hesitate a little bit, right? Like that's, it opens opportunities for the opponent to kind of recognize what you're trying to do and blah, blah, blah. And it makes it ugly at that point. And um, remove any momentum you might have had. Because we're gone. talking about moving bodies, right? So if you, if you have a second thought and suddenly you slow that momentum, now suddenly their mass is like slowing down. They can change their own center of mass and move in a different way and right. shift their weight and all that stuff. And, um... I just remember, like, that's one thing that JB had always tried to impress on me is the idea that, like, if you just see an opportunity, just take it, All right? Like, and then you deal with the consequences after that because... But you have to have the confidence in the move by doing enough reps with a resisting opponent in drilling... A resisting opponent that. or an eighty percent resisting opponent? Uh, uh, a semi-resisting, a progressive resistance. Progressive, okay. So, and I don't say opponent, drilling partner. Partner, yeah. Do but you, it's weird though, because the thing that I'm good at, I never really drilled that. I just kept trying it, 
in live roles. What are you saying? Say it. What is it? I'm not saying what. I'm not saying. It. Why wouldn't you say it? Why aren't you saying it? It's say um. It? I think I'm. I think I'm. As you would say, what's uh? I did pretty okay. I'll use your terminology. Pretty okay. I think I'm pretty okay at single leg X on a combat base combat base opponent. Uh, off balancing them and entering the honey hole. I'm pretty okay at that. Good. And and but it so, never I didn't really practice I never drilled that. That's what's interesting. So I feel like I'm contradicting myself. But you're just but you're drilling it while rolling because you're are, yeah. because you're approaching it I'd imagine with It was a move that I thought was cool so I'd always try it when exactly. I was in the situation and that's why I got the and I got the reps against fully resisting opponents. So I really started to see the set. Like the last time I hit it. So does that go against? I, I, I actually made in quote invented. I had a realization when I did it. Like I made a snap j- judgment. Like I want to change my grip. I want to go from the collar and collar tie the head. Because mm. in no gi, you have to collar tie the head. But in gi, you can actually just grab the cross collar. And in my head, I was like, oh, I want that guy's head down. And I just immediately went there, snapped the head down and swept. And I was like, this you so let's and then you have that euphoria of like, aha, it works. Just different side, like you hear all the different um, approaches to training and learning from, you know, you and I both listen to Matt Byrne. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, by the way, they need to, inc- like. They've, they fell off, right? They've fallen off, man. You got to have consistent content, bro. Call them out. Right yeah. Now. Well, I think they just released a new one. They just released a Did new they? one. Okay. And, and props to them. They were a bit of an inspiration to why we started this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to Josh and Keaton for that. And they're both like professional athletes. I, I absolutely, get it, right? Absolutely. They don't have like the sort of, not monotonous routine, but just the kind of regiment that we probably Oh, Josh, do. it's like he, he recorded a podcast in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Just he, so he, he does he, it you know, He's doing fly, seminars yeah. and Keaton is competing. I get that. Um, but definitely from strictly the podcast so point of view. They're like, different like, sort of like philosophies about training and learning, right? Like if you, Keenus or Keenus, <laughs> Keenan, um, I mean, at this point, he's of the mindset of you don't even do like the 10,000 reps, right? Like his, his thing is, it's almost more of like a Kit Dale type of like you get your, you were getting your reps from the roles is how you yes. describe that, right? Like, Whereas, like, I'm, I'm certain if you just, I mean, hell, Andre Galvao has a book called Drill to Win. Mm-hmm. And if you ever watch any of their training footage, it's, like, not mindless reps, but, like, reps with purpose and stuff, but it's just that building that muscle memory. Yeah. So, like, I would kind of argue that those are opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I like to think that for the non-professional athlete, the, the best way to learn is probably somewhere in between. Um, but you just described to me something literally that you're, you're pretty okay at, but mm-hmm. you've done it without any. I mean, I was exposed reps. to it. I drilled yeah. it once, right? Like I was exposed to it, drilled it that day when I was exposed to it. And then since then it's all been. So let's take a look at learning from this perspective now, right? Like, because the traditional way we learn something right now, and though at least the way I prefer to train it with somebody is you learn the technique against a non-resisting opponent just to get the mechanics down. Correct. Then, as both of you guys work together, they slowly kind of add resistance to it, right? Um, you know, if you do, and then you slowly add the sort of, all right, so now I get this down. What, what, what do you feel? What would you do next? And you kind of have to modify from there. And then when you're training against a fully resisting opponent, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, that person knows exactly what you're going to do. So, like, 
to me, it almost sort of defeats the purpose of like nobody's learning at that point, really. Whereas if you're trying to apply it in a in a sort of like live competitive situation where you're just doing it, you just see the opportunity. That's a more true reaction, right? Like they're not even thinking about what you're doing preemptively. They're dealing with it at that moment just as you're dealing with it at that moment. And maybe that's why it it you get the swish, right? Like the, you hear about basketball players who sure. talk about like, oh, I know when it leaves my hand that that's going to be a, that perfect shot or Correct. cases, right? Maybe that's why you're getting that swish is because it's this sort of like perfect in the moment they've responded, not exactly how you want them to, but because that's just what the situation presented and you did right movement, right time. So... Am I getting so over-romanticized about technique? No, I, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you say, and, and there are two things that I think of. One, it goes back to what Charles talked about, which is you can have a goal when you roll, and you don't have to tell your opponent what it is. And if one of those goals is, I want to hit this move, and if they don't know about it, then you will get a realistic look where yes. they're considering a bunch of options from this position instead of just the one thing you want to do from that position. So... I think rolling with a purpose is huge. The, the practical issue that arises is that for a long time, you'll be unable to funnel people to those positions. So you either situationally spar. So maybe, that, maybe I'm coming up with the end. You situationally spar without an objective so the instructor has people situationally spar from different positions without telling them an objective, but each person can have their own personal objective. That way they're already pre-funneled into a yes. situation where they can practice what they're trying but to then do. The, the, but the level of um, individualizing everybody's sort of personal curriculum is, is interesting. Like, so like as an instructor and, and the most, not efficient, but the, effective way or most efficient way to disseminate information like for the past month is deep half right Uh like how do you as an instructor and i'm i'm just broadly asking this question is how do you as an instructor say we're starting this position what is your objective you know you work your own objective from there i would think that for the most part given that position, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's Mark or Victor, whoever, in that position, our objective should be pretty similar. So, it's funny because it's got me thinking about a couple things here. I think what's beautiful about jiu-jitsu, I've always talked about it, you've agreed with me, I think, where we've said jiu-jitsu is very young. Yes. Right? However... I mean, is it really though? I mean, like well, basketball it, is technically young. like not much yeah, older. Yeah, but it, it, it's like we're figuring but out how to teach it. But I want to say I do buy into the fact that there's something where each person has to have their own unique jujitsu journey. Yes, and they have to they have to be so in the context of deep half. I think Paul's job as an instructor is to expose us to the widest amount of information with respect to deep half. And then it's up to us as students to personally identify what resonates, what works for our body structure, what we enjoy doing, what fits, for lack of a better term, with our game. And our game doesn't have to be what we're good at. It's just 
what works for us in our body structure. What's interesting is this is a factor, I think, in jiu-jitsu where it's not so much of a factor in wrestling. And wrestling is the oldest Olympic and, sport. And, it's, and you know why? Yeah. Because in, in, in wrestling, they, you're always wrestling against people of equal size. It's always emphasized. So, yes, what you teach a smaller guy oh, versus actually, a bigger a guy really point, might be different. But that's the only differentiation. They're in jiu-jitsu... Part of jujitsu is the fact that you have a small guy defeating the big guy, and it's also the the objective of wrestling is if there's ever one single objective, it's you know like it's that. Whereas the objective of jujitsu is so there's so many more. Correct. So like, and that's why it becomes a personal journey. Paul should Paul is really Morpheus in this in this respect, in my opinion. Should have the rule of Morpheus. He's just not telling us. On he's again, not telling probably. us what to do. He's just showing us the doors. Yeah, and it's our job to figure out what doors we want to go through. Actually, it's which pill do we want to take? Well, that's the, the, he actually says later. He does say does later. He? He's like, it's like my job. I'm just going to show you the door, Neo. You have to be the one. That oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Which is by far the best scene in the movie when they go down with the helicopters going down, and and. <laughs> This is at the end. And I mean, this is by the way the first movie by far the best should be on its own. The second yes. two turn into a weird sci-fi trilogy that's enjoyable, but it's a totally sci-fi different thing. religious. Yeah, thing, which yeah, that's another story altogether. <laughs> we'll see what they do in Matrix Four, which is in production. <laughs> but first Matrix, one of my best all-time movies. The best scene is when that helicopter is going down. They just save Morpheus, and Neo is hanging down from like a bungee cord. Trinity just learned how to fly a helicopter and is flying him who's holding on to Morpheus. So Trinity in a helicopter, big long rope coming down the helicopter, Neo there hooked up to a rig and he's holding on to Morpheus. They're losing control, blah, blah, blah. He drops Morpheus on a rooftop. He lands on the rooftop and this, this helicopter is now heading for impending doom into a building. <laughs> and he looks at that he sees Trinity in trouble. He takes the rope and he wraps it around. <laughs> he's like, I got this. And he wraps it around his wrist like he's just going to hold the, the oh, whole helicopter. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that slow-mo of him like like wrapping the, the cord <laughs> around his head. <laughs> this whole thing to me was the most badass moment in the whole movie. Um, how do we even get to that? Huh? How did we get to the matrix? Oh, uh, Morpheus opening the door. Yeah, yeah. So Paul's job is to <laughs> is to present to us the doors. He's the Jedi Master. Yeah, I mean he is. Um, he uh, right, like his eye, and he does show up us uh, the options, right? Like so for deep half, he front hook, back hook, waiter sweep, and options from everyone, right? Um, and I think. Interestingly, Deep Half, I don't know, was probably one of the most, I don't want to use the term polarizing, but there are very few positions in jiu-jitsu where I, I've observed that like some things just don't work for, for this type of body versus this type of body. Like you'll often find a way to make it work. Um... Deep half was one of those positions where I was like, man, like, if you're super short against somebody who's super tall, it just doesn't work. Or it, it was interesting because I was, I was just observing it right now. You, you know? got to get those hooks, brah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. But um, so anyways, um, 
But he also needs to set up the situations and appropriately communicate to the students how do you go about drilling it now? Like, not how do you go about drilling it, but like... So let's say, you know, we, we learn the technique. We, at this point, we're four weeks into the curriculum. Situational sparring, start in deep half and go. Right? Like, is the expectation at that point um, for the top person to... I guess, that, I don't know, it's, a, it's their own preference, right? Like, the, the bottom person... I'm just trying to use deep half as an example of, like, how you would say... How how they would go about learning to funnel to what they want to do. Right? Well, and that's the thing that goes back to what I said the big challenge is. I think when you're a white belt, you're just not going to be good enough in most cases to practice what you want to practice. You're obliged to practice what the superior person is putting you into. Right, right. And I felt that was, I was in side control. So what did I, what was the first thing that I got pretty okay at? at least at that level, yeah. side control escapes, framing. And doesn't mean that I mastered that because once you go against higher level guys that have more sophisticated ways of pinning you, then you have to get better at escaping. But then you also realize that at the highest level, you just don't let yourself get into that position. If so, you look at high level guys, if they, if they take your back, in a comp if, if, if a black belt has his back taken in a competition, the match is over 95% of the time. So let me ask you then, because I, we, we had a discussion. I, I had watched that, um, I think it was Christian's class, right? The one where you're like, the theme of the class is just yes. wrestle. And to me, like the way he described it, I was like, wow, that's that right there to me is what you just described as how you got good at doing that that particular technique that you, you can hit. Not not at will, but just like you become oh pretty okay. Oh, it's at, at will, baby. <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, but his the way of describing, like, I, you know, he's like, I spent a year running classes this way. To me, that was the ultimate form of I've laid parameters. Um, what was one of them? It was like top guy is just trying to pass. Nobody's trying to submit. Bottom that guy doesn't is make trying the to, thing about it is the 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 and I I don't want to poke holes in something without the person here to defend. Yeah, yeah. But my, the question that came to my mind is, this makes sense only if the people are like high-level blues or purples. They have a bunch of techniques in there. But because like, so everybody had to come up with jujitsu. Like, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to be pretty firm about this. And let's go, but let's use our Path of Exile example here. Okay. Do I want to get really good at sharpening that level one dagger? Or do I want to get really good at sharpening that level 70 greatsword? If think you though, don't know jujitsu and you don't know techniques, what you end up doing is just sharpening very limited weapons. I think, though, so for example... You probably, though, you probably sharpen your invisible jujitsu, but you need to know what some movements are. You need to know what a pass is. You can only pass. What if the guy doesn't know how to pass? But experimentation, I mean, like, uh, so I'm just going to, I don't think I was that discussing with you, but isn't that his way of teaching or drilling, They'll whatever you want to call you'll, it? You'll get to something, but you'll yeah, get like, to it a lot slower instead of being shown it. of a million or an infinite number of apes sitting at an infinite number of 
uh, typewriters. Isn't that what he's doing? Is like if we spend a month and what I think Christians, I think what I think is good about Christian's point is if you want to get good at something, you just got to do it, and you yeah. got to do a lot of it, and you can't take the shortcut. You have to sweat. And you have to put effort out, and you have to do all that. that I get. That's almost that's a wrestling man. That's a wrestling room. Like, yeah. go and and to be consistent with Charles doesn't mean hurt yourself. It just means, like Mike said, being up tempo, you know, and and not stopping. Not stopping doesn't mean you're going a hundred percent. In my no, opinion. Agree, agreed, yeah, yeah. So that I think is good, but you need to be taught. And have a playbook or have a toolbox. But I think, though, with enough experimentation, you you figure it out, though, right? You figure maybe. out what works, or maybe you figure out, or maybe you figure out where your holes are, and then you're motivated to learn what fills those holes. Yeah, I mean, like, or it's like Christian, I'm having a hard time with this, and when we're doing this game for sixty minutes, I kept finding myself this. What do I do? Oh, that's what you do for a double underpass, or that's what you do for a knee slice, or that's what you do for a back step, or the, I, I get that. I think there's merit in what he says. I think it's a little oversimplified. And I think he's skipping a lot. I think he's skipping a lot of what he does in class because I can guarantee, well, I'm not going to say I can guarantee you, but I would guarantee, I would, I would bet money if I were betting man, as I'd like to say, that he's admitting, he's like, oh, I just let them do that. We did that for a year. He's admitting all the quote, I think he, he had a throwaway, throwaway line like, I'll make little adjustments. Making little adjustments might be five minutes of instruction. Might be a massively important to this whole system working. Yeah. Right. So I think the the thing about it, to my original point, is just that being able the fun part. Why jujitsu every day is more fun for me, and I hope it is for everyone. Is that each day you get better, and each day by getting better. You're in more control of where the role goes. And in doing so, you can practice what you want. And that should be more fun because you're practicing what you want to practice. And I think that's fun. That to me is what's fun, at least. You know, uh, I think getting good at defense and escapes is probably what you're going to end up developing first. Sure. And when you're sitting there, you're like, man, this top pressure and this and that, that doesn't come early on. That comes way later when you've gotten good enough at defense and escapes and, and guard and sweeps that you're putting yourself on top. To, yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's really simple. It's like, to me, the best way to lay out jujitsu, if you want to be humble about it, I don't know why I'm using that word, but I'm just going to say be humble about it, is... Start on your butt, play guard, sweep, establish top pressure, advanced, submit. And this is really up your alley because it's That's positional hierarchy. hierarchy. Start at the bottom of the hierarchy and work your way up. You know, that's really what it is. It could be modified. If you're a really good wrestler, then it could be modified by secure the takedown, Secure top control, but you're what you're what you're really doing is just taking the shortcut to t the top control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and plus, like, it's I think if you kind of ask the Helio Gracie line of Jiu-Jitsu is the reason why we even talk about like being on bottom, getting the sweep to be on top, is that you're you're predicating on the idea that you're the smaller, weaker person 
getting taken down by somebody who's big or strong. Self-defense scenario. Yeah, like purely self-defense. So that's why we, we sort of like preface it with that. Um, so to go back to Craig's idea, um, I, I really like Craig's his, idea. Is it Craig? Who? The, Craig the, Jones? The, no, the, um, Charles. Char- oh my God. It's dude. You were, I thought I was bad with names. No. Yeah. I'm really bad with names. <laughs> um, like terrible. <laughs> Charles's point. What are your thoughts on? So we, we, he, he kind of gave some practical examples. Right. And I, I, we had kind of chatted about that earlier. Um, so if there's the there's you know Captain Intensity, and you just everybody knows who that person is at the gym, you know like and and you want to approach your training with the never go more than eighty percent. Yeah, I want to train with a purpose. And his solution to that is the moment you you I, I forgot what he says. He's like, do you have the conversation first, or do you sort of like make you have them the conversation pay? first? But if they don't listen. Then just tap out immediately. Yeah. So, th- I think there, there's so it's like two huge super bouts rough, of courage. So it's like super rough. Like imagine like guy enters your Delaheva, muscles through with a knee slice, roughly secures top pressure. You tap. Yeah, that's a really good way of. Um, and that's like, a good example. And he's like, what? <laughs> so, so which takes more balls to do? Right. Having the conversation in the first place. Because I think most people will even fail at that point, or and doing that, like both of those take a tremendous amount of um, integrity in in what you feel you want to accomplish. What, what I'm trying to understand is why is Mister Intensity viewed in such a way where he wouldn't be open and and almost excited to quote flow roll. Like that's the other thing. It's like the person's like unapproachable for some reason or unapproachable in that aspect. Like you, why would, why would I feel uncomfortable going up to Ryan Wilkerson and saying, Ryan, let's be technical today. I don't know. I mean, like, but what, what but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering like why I'm using Ryan. Are we imposing the, by, by the way, Matt? Ryan, if I'm listening, I love rolling. With yeah. You. yeah this is, that, like, this I, is, I enjoy training. This is, this is, I'm using you as an example because, you are very consistent and you can be physical when you want to sort of, you know, it's not your technical as fuck too. <laughs> so, but the, um, so you're, you're asking why is it that we impose the idea that they do roll hard or rough or however you want to call it. That also makes them unapproachable. We associate why? that with making them unapproachable. It has to be. It's like, wh- why, why is it? that there are some people at our gym that women don't want to roll all with. At uh, all gyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm, that, I'm just going to use that, our gym, yeah. you know. And then there are ones that women will roll with. It's the same thing. Right. You know, it's, it's not a men... So, it's not women rolling with me men. It's not out it, there. It's, it's just there are people, whether it's, th- it's their fault or not, have an image of not being approachable when it comes to wanting to flow or something. I don't know. It's weird. But, uh, oh, so you, you just touched on two things that I'm not sure you meant to correlate with one another. But you used the idea that women don't want to roll with certain people. And you also, did you say that? Or I did, did I miss but that? then okay. I, I did say afterwards, like, it's not a women rolling with men, it's anybody. Right, right. But I was using it as an example of. But have you noticed a, a, a pretty good correlation? I can I can speak from experience and just observation as well that there are certain people who 
when when Paul says instead of pairing people up, he's like, "Hey, who do you want to roll? With? Hey, who do you want to? Hey, who do you want to roll with?" Women will almost invariably pick the same five people, you being one of them. So, I don't know. Recently, I've gotten a. <laughs> I mean, you've I'm got, like you're, early you're, running a bully of the year over gonna, here. But no, but, there's a group. But but it's like. But but here's the thing. That means there's a group of grapplers that are considered safe. Sure. And a group that aren't. Why? Because. Because I don't. Number one, I think there's some falsity in that because I think a lot of the other grapplers are safe. There's also some truth in that because some of those grapplers might not be safe. I think the bigger question is. How come we can't have a conversation with any grappler about being safe when I'm sitting across from that grappler like, hey, I want to do it this way. And that's Charles's point. But I'm trying to understand the psychology of it. Why, Is it because that why it's seems... so hard to broach it? Because we agree that the tapping thing is almost like... That's a sort that's of passive aggressive thing. sort like, of what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't know, seem, like, like, I get what Charles is trying to say, but it felt like, it feels like kind of a, like you said, a passive it's aggressive. It's like, sort of like a like little millennial sort yeah. of, yeah, you know, like. You know, like, no, no. And and yeah, I'm going to say there's a part of me. In in my opinion, you should just not roll that person in the first place. If you Bingo. if you know, for example. Exactly. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, like if you know. And you need to be able to be comfortable enough, and we do say that here. If you don't want to, you're not obliged to roll with anybody. You're not obliged to roll at all. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, like, so if you don't, want, if you're not comfortable rolling with someone, whatever, or you, you, fine. You don't have to. But the point is, is why are there so many people? Whether it's whether it's justified or not, that it seems so hard to imagine that they would be open to the idea of rolling a certain way, different from how they're perceived as rolling all the it's, time. It's probably the, it's the exact same problem about why. 90% of the world's problems exist in the first place is just... Back to communication. A lack of communication, right? Or, or, or not even a lack of communication, just a, a failure to approach the idea of communicating because of, some, because of the story that we've created in our head about how that person's going to react to us asking. So you're saying we could potentially be solving the crisis in the Middle East... Just right now, just right. yeah, <laughs> being able to being able to talk to our neighbor. If we can talk to our fellow grappler, I mean, like maybe can, Jimmy Carter can we was reach onto across something. Colored belt lines, <laughs> right? Like, isn't that the whole thing? I mean, I, I just, but but I, a, a big part of it is sort of, in mind that's a very new school mentality too, right? Like that's a very what's new school? Like just the <laughs> communicating. Oh, right. Like that's a that's a new school. I think thing. new school is also flow rolling. Yes, I mean, like, because, I mean, is it, though? Because, I mean, if you look at... Um, well, then they have, there's that movie role, that documentary role, and it's like, look at Hickson playing with me. It was awesome, you know? He's yeah. just playing with me. <laughs> and that's where, um, from my understanding, I've never experienced myself, but... Uh, da, 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 da. The, the Gracie Academy in... in um, whatever city it is, Modesto. San Diego, or, I think. Here or in, L.A. Oh, the one here? Here in Heron and Henner's Academy. Oh, like the official yeah. Torrance. Torrance is the right okay. that's where it is. From my understanding, like all of their rolling, like it's not even eighty percent. It's like it, you know, and not to coin not not to name drop, you know, SVG a little bit, but like SVG, one of their original philosophies was play as the way. Yeah. You know, like and this is this is dating back to the, you know, late nineties. Well, wouldn't you say that some part of jujitsu in the in the 90s and early 2000s was 
weed out soft people with. Oh, sure. So I think that, I think But that's that, the machismo. I think I'm, there's some, I think we're probably still feeling the effects of that. Just like, why do fraternities continue to haze their, their peoples? Because the gener- the, the Pete guys before got hazed, but then they got a haze. Well, it's I mean? also, you know. You you can I'm greatly increase it. your bank account if you oh. <laughs> you find ways to to not water it down but to make it more approachable, right? Like, um, but 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 I mean, like if you think of the introduction of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to America, it was this sort of not like an honor culture, but it was sort of like an honor thing, right? Like where it was all the sort of challenge matches and that sort of thing, where maybe that was a dis that was a huge disservice to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. While it did display the absolute effectiveness of it, it's already painting it in this sort of like negative machismo, you know, contentious light amongst, especially amongst the martial arts community, but, uh, you know, and it's just, it it looks bad when you're you're publishing an ad in Playboy magazine and Blackmail magazine about how you'll offer $10,000 to anybody who can come and, and defeat your style of martial arts, you know. So that's again; those are the roots of jujitsu in the United States, sure, and, and, and the marketing in, in, in Brazil too. But I will say, so let me—I'll just tell you my personal, like my personal approach to this whole thing, because I don't, unless I'm really feeling run down, I never really say like I'm flowing, but I never go. I very rarely go over eighty, in my opinion. But I'm just of the opinion, if I'm going with someone that wants to win, my opinion is I should be good enough to defend myself and still stay within my parameters of rolling. But sometimes that's just not possible. I'm not telling you what my... Well, I'm, not, I'm just telling you what I my mean, stance an, is. I'm not telling you what it's right. I mean, overly idealized situation, though. I mean, or an over, overly idealized just... Um, like, for example, you know, I, I can try all I want to, to be at... To, to go my 80%. And to keep Kali off of me and from him smashing his, his chest and belly into my face and stuff, right? Like, it's not going to happen, regardless of how good my technique is, you know? So then why, what's the difference between trying at 100% and, dr- I guess that's the thing. How much do you get from that extra 20%? If you're going to fail anyway at 80, well, you're probably going to fail at 100 too. I guess maybe I'm not really going 100 then, you know? I have to go 100 to defend myself, but am I going to win at going 100? Probably not. You know, I think that's the th- I think that's the thing. I think what I think what people I think people undervalue how good we can be relaxed and not operating at a hundred percent. To me, the hundred percent comes from comes from using attributes to complete techniques that are being applied imperfectly. But you just said there's no perfect technique, though. Or not just said. But <clears throat> no, like, but, no, no, but no. But if you're going with guys that are bigger than you, you're gonna ex- you're gonna exert yourself more. One hundred percent. If right, I like, go with someone bigger, I have to exert myself more. Right. I mean, just, right. And that's where I think the strength component of it comes into it. But is that is it? Do you have to exert yourself more, or do you just have to adjust your technique because you don't have the right angle, you don't have the right both point of leverage? But you definitely need. You know, there reaches a point where the person can get just too big and sure, I can Jeremiah. be too small. Yeah, like it's just, you can you can be at the perfect angle on everything on Jeremiah, not doing shit. The thing. hope you have is that as you get bigger doesn't mean, it's not like in a video game where everyone's attributes go up. Yeah. In, in reality, when you get, the bigger you get, you lose other attributes. 
And that's what I hope, in my belief system, evens the field out to some degree. Strength is a hugely important component when it comes to jiu-jitsu. But so is stamina. And I would so argue is, that... The, so is timing. So is timing. So is speed. But let's just talk about stamina. I would argue that if we're talking about really big guys, their stamina is going to take a hit as a result. Sure. Whereas, you know, a guy like Mikey can just go forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he ain't the smallest guy either, though. He's not the smallest guy, but that's my point. So, no, no, yeah. I, again, this was the, the whole point of my, my, my saying my initial thing about you should be able to defend, or not even you, I believe I should be able to handle myself at 80% anyway. That's my own personal belief, and that's how I approach it. So I don't change too much. Now, what does happen to me is I can get emotional, I can get angry, and then that will change the way I roll. Sure. You know, so if I feel like someone... But does, doesn't does one require... I mean, can one argue that it requires... That extra 20% to get to that 100% re- requires a bit of emotion or requires a bit of... Hopefully you know, it doesn't because you want to have a clear head. Uh, of course. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, you know, like, but sometimes is that what it takes for us to tap that that extra little bit. Oh, now you're talking about the difference between the light side and the dark side. Bro. Yeah, I mean... Tapping like, into the anger instead of you know, tapping into you, you clarity. Have to, because can you really go 100% if you're you're not tapping... I mean, like, using all of your facilities, including your cortisol, to, to really activate fight or flight? Um, you know, I don't know. So let, let, let's, let's, let's define a little more clearly what 100% means. In my mind, 100% means a couple things. It means you're using maximum strength on submission attempts. Maximum strength to, to finish. achieve it. I mean, so like... You're also... You you're also, you're to, also To me, you're also... Uh, you're also using strength to blow through things. Like, I'm not going to slide... Like, I'm going to power through things. Like, I'm going yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, to... to any adhesions that might occur yeah. through the technique here. So let's use something like a cross choke, for example, which we don't do a ton of at, at the gym here, but is going 100% the willingness to sit there and rather than get that perfect blade action, oh, also 100%. some of this No, it 100%, 100% also goes into how much me lowering the regard I have for my opponent's body. That's, that's Which is what, is what triggers me. That's usually when I get angry. Me, yeah. It's when I feel like my 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 training partner, not my opponent, my training partner, has yeah, taken advantage of the trust I've put in him or her when it comes to training. And I'll admit, when I was a white belt, I said this when I, we we had Jamie on, which by the way will be dropping this Two weeks coming from now. right now. The next one, this okay. Saturday, is, is dropped. Jamie then Michelle after that. Yeah. Oh. That's okay. Spoilers. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, they'll have been out. Reverse but spoilers, yeah. Reverse spoilers. <laughs> um. For the past self. <laughs> no, I, is, <clears throat> is, I was, I would say, pretty quick to realize that being schizo was not beneficial to me and my jujitsu development. And it took, I, 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 I said two weeks for me to realize I just have to practice and accept the fact that I'm, I'm the worst on the mat. Some people are never going right? to. Right? No, no. And I know that sounds yeah. kind of ludicrous to some people. Like, two weeks? I mean, but whatever, it took two weeks and I was like, okay, yeah, I just got to accept it. But it took me a lot longer to realize to what degree my training partner's body was in my hands. 
And that's I thought I was okay. I, like I thought I was okay, but then I realized Ryan was a guy that that kind of showed me the light a little bit. JB showed me the light to you know some degree where I realized I I suddenly became aware of what the shitty positions are. Yeah. And how to like test the water on that if it's not there release you know so yes. just the other so just yesterday i was rolling with a i was rolling and a guy had me a white belt had me with uh with some attempt of a cross choke it was like a cross choke with legs involved and it was over my mouth i had a mouthpiece in thankfully oh yeah and he was tugging on this thing like he was trying to start a lawnmower. <laughs> and I was just breathing and just, I wasn't getting that angry. I was just like, okay, all right. So there's. <sighs> okay. And, and to, yeah. to the White Bell's credit afterwards, he's like, I hope I didn't, like in the locker rooms, like I hope if I didn't, he, like I was okay, testing the, the water. Okay, the fact that he recognizes that. I was like, you're ahead of the game, bro. I told him, I was like, you're ahead of the game, you know? The fact like, that you recognize that. I was like, if you keep doing it, you're just going to start angering your so, training partner. So my question to him hypothetically is if you're asking that to you why didn't you why, why didn't you just stop it in the I fucking first place right i was i was okay with it i was like no, and that's where so okay my, my rule of thumb right like to me if you're grappling me and this is i'm, I'm not it's just it's my thing mm-hmm. if i hear you snarling you're kind of being a dick if i have to snarl to try to make something happen <laughs> I automatically know at that point, right? Like I'm kind of being a dick. So I don't need a snarl, right? Like jujitsu should not require snarling. We're not, we're not, you know, it's not Mundial's, right? Like, and that, and that's my, boy. Is that, is that a good, I mean, is that a good barometer? Like people the snarling factor? People might not know that they're snarling. <laughs> what know? do you mean? They, how do you <laughs> no, but know they, they don't know if that's a, that's like a bad thing or something. Yeah, like that, I mean, that, like they don't know what, what, what normal behavior should be on the mat, you know? I guess so. What I good mean, behavior on the mat is. But anyway, that's... So is that something I need to add to my, my Vu speech of no injuries? Maybe. It's like, guys, if you need to snarl to finish a technique, <laughs> you're not doing the technique. But it's... It, it, so again, I mean, it did take me time to realize that. It took me about to be a three or four stripe white belt until I realized to what degree I need to be mindful of. I don't think I was dangerous did you ever snarl though no i never snarled but i my my interest in finishing submissions or i i paid little to no thought of my opponent's body or my partner's body i wasn't malicious i was just indifferent to it by ignorance I was just ignorant of the fact that like yeah, you know, you just didn't, yeah I mean, I'm like in the and and that's because I had training partners that didn't take liberties with me. So I wasn't I wasn't shown oh that's like I don't want to be like that. You know, so I'm not going to do it to someone else. If I don't like this, I'm not going to do it to someone else. But the thing is that's my reaction. Some people's reactions for whatever reason and and I'll I'll probably think more people react like this. If something nasty gets done to them, at some level, they almost want to get it back and do it to someone exactly. else. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what's fucked up. And I can't understand human psychology because my reaction is the opposite. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't... I wouldn't want to do that. Right? I don't like, want to do that to someone But else. that's what's just being taught in general, right? Like, I mean, Thornton talks about, like, you know, early on, and, and he's like, I had to do a lot of maturing, right? Because the idea early on of some 
Matt Bully comes in just off the street and he's just some big, strong, aggressive guy who's athletic or it is in general. Like he's like, we would stick the enforcer on him. But what does that teach him? Right? Like the solution to somebody. (laughs) What's that? Fire with fire. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the, the, you know, pour gasoline on the fire essentially. Right. So, but what is it? So now let's say he, he kind of gets off on that, whatever it is. He becomes a member of the gym. Now he's, he, he, he's now, uh, it just it all does just perpetuate that like snarling culture, right? Versus like what to produce a better training environment. Wouldn't the better thing to do have just been have a conversation with the guy and say, "Dude, chill the fuck out." Is it because we don't think it's possible? But they do that now. Apparently, I don't. I don't know. I'm not a uh, member of SBG. But you know he's. They talk. Is about it because this. we want to sell jujitsu, and if we sell it by saying we don't do that, the tough guy's going to be like, "Look at these, they're a bunch of pussies." Excuse my language. But, but that dude's going. But that I mean, like you. And then, uh, do we want that guy in the gym? So exactly. There's a whole right? Because he's going to drive away. There's a whole plethora more of like, students of than, like motivations you know. there. So I think it also comes down to what kind of gym cult you want to have. Right. I mean, like. <laughs> the, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the. So Chris, we have to get ready for class. Yeah, we do soon. We finished Deep Half last month. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance we're going to do something new. What do you want? I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? I don't. I, well, what I, would you like it I, to be? I would have known what it is, I think, if it's what you guys did yesterday in the afternoon. Nope. You didn't? Okay. So what you guys did in the afternoon we did deep with half. Tommy? Did oh, the, the back take, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. So then scratch that. What would you like, to, what would you like Man, this, this month's module to be? If you had control. I... I would really love a deep dive into. If you talk about knee cut pass, we, we I mean we've we've done quite a bit of De La Hiva. Maybe maybe something old school, man. Like, you know me. I'm gonna always go back to close guard. Okay. I, I would love some close guard stuff. But to your point, so now that everybody is gonna be moving on to the to the new hotness, I'm gonna be trying my damnedest to do some deep do half, deep half on now. You know. <laughs> Well, that's the way and to hit go, it man. The the magneto perfection. Okay, so you your thing would be, or what's the next most logical step from there? Some sort of a back thing because we did work taking the back from there. What's the next sort of logical step and and permutations from where we ended with deep half? I there. would say double under and over under passing. Yeah, you know something like that. But, but then again, that's just what would you like to? What, what would you like it to be? I want, I want it to be close guard. You, you know, want I, mean? to be I, close I love guard. close guard, and I think. Maybe things are coming full circle. I think I'm starting to see a little bit more sort of like re-recognition of clothes guard in the jiu-jitsu community. You know, it's becoming kind of the new hotness again. So for me... Yeah, what are you... Reverse Delahiva. RDL. Did I RDL. RDL because selfishly I find myself there and I'm without ideas. There is zero content out there for RDL right now. Really? This is one that I might know of. So that's so that's my thing. I know a few basic things, but it's more of a guard recovery. Yeah, yeah. I know you can do Kiss of the Dragon, but all that stuff involves standing opponents, and everyone that I'm doing is like knee-cutting hard. Yeah. I switch to it, and now they're in a combat base in my reverse Delahiva. Hmm. So that would be something that would help me, I feel, grow immensely as a grappler because it would fill a gap. Just like D-Paf did before, and just as the 50-50 stuff helped a few months ago, because mm. 50-50 was a huge gap in my game. But how often are you really getting... I mean, well, you're you're playing for legs more, so 
I imagine you were encountering oh. more. Or how often do you really encounter 50-50? I didn't know what to do if I got into it. We didn't. Nobody really got me into it, but I knew it was a gap. Okay. RDL is something where I'm getting into it, and, you, yeah, and yeah, I you. just know one thing. I go to Lebo Guard and recover. Oh, okay. That's weird. That's, that's what what I weird. That's what I do. That's it. Or they stand up and I go back to Delhi. And you can, yeah, you can yeah. go to Ashi. So that's what I'd like to do. Hmm. So we have time. We got to do our stretching. Yes. So we don't get hurt. And then we just got to make sure we stay in third gear the entire time. On a, on a five gear? It'd be fourth gear. A five speed? <laughs> I know, but you said that you never leave third gear. I remember you saying Did that. Did I really? Yeah. Okay. Like, maybe you know, I, I, have, maybe I have a four speed <laughs> in my world. All right, Chris. Until next time. Peace.